good to be back with y'all. Last uh, last week, our family went down to the beach, and so we had a, had a great time down there. And I just wanted to share something with you. I know I've talked to a lot of people, and they said, you know, the, whenever they first came to Village Church, they said, for a lot of people, it's very different than what they grew up with. And they say, you know, we come in, y'all are... See, I still remember talking to one guy, and he, he came in, and he saw the band playing. He said, hey, there's a concert going on in here. He said, where is the church service and so I just kind of laughed and I was like welcome to Village Church so it felt kind of strange well this last week uh, we were down at the beach and I got to experience what what many of y'all have experienced being able to go to a place that's totally different than Village Church uh, we were down with Emily and her parents and brothers and we went to the Episcopal Church and of course I'm the worst packer in the world I brought no pants only shorts and so we go to the Episcopal Church, and they're like, oh, it's going to be fine. Everybody, there'll be people wearing shorts. Not true. I was the only guy in shorts. And, of course, they, they lead us in, and they sit us on my favorite place to sit, the front row, and I'm wearing shorts. So I already feel bad. And uh, so it's a totally different service. So the, uh, the priest came down, and he said, are you familiar with the, uh, with the Episcopal service? And I felt like a lot of y'all, I lied to him. And I said, yes. And I don't know why I did it. So now I know. When y'all lie to me, I understand it. Because I did the same thing. I was oh, yeah, I know what's going on here. And so they start doing stuff, and I have no idea what's going on. And then, uh, but it was a great service. But at the end of it, they do communion. This has nothing to do with anything. But it's just kind of interesting that whenever they do communion at the end of the service, of course, they have the common cup. And uh, if you know anything about me, that ain't good. And so, you know, they got the, they got the common cup. And fortunately, you know, I'm watching this lady who's, you know, grabs a cup, and she's really getting her lips all over it. And uh, fortunately, Emily told me, you don't have to drink out of it. You can drop your bread in the cup. So that was awesome because I'm looking at that cup going, hey, no way. I'm putting my lips on that. So anyway, I'm just telling you all that to let you all know. I understand if you feel weird today, I felt weird last week. So it's all going to be okay. But So that was just sort of a – I told Emily after, I said, I get it now. So, so I understand. Uh, but today, since we're at Village Church, we're continuing our series, Lie to Me. And we've just been looking at some of the basic lies, or some of the lies that Satan tells us all throughout life in order to keep us from experiencing the blessings and the power of God. And there's just a lot of lies that are out there about, about our faith. And I was just, I was thinking about this probably about a month ago, and I wanted to mention it. But I would say that today, probably the greatest virtue in our, in our society today is the virtue of tolerance. And Josh McDowell, a number of years ago, wrote in his book, or one of his books, about tolerance. He said it, it used to mean this. It used to mean to respect others' beliefs and practices without sharing them. That used to be tolerance. Now today, tolerance is where you see other people's beliefs that might be different than yours, but you say their beliefs are just as valid as mine. That their truth is equal to my truth. Now, I think we've even moved beyond that now. And I think now there's, a, there's an opinion that's out there. Hey, this is what, what you're supposed to believe. And if you don't hold to this, now we just say that you might, you might respect this belief. But if you don't practice it, then you're just like a, a hate-mongering moron. And let me, let me try to give you an example of this. So just a few months ago, and we're not going to go here for long, so don't get nervous, but the Supreme Court struck down the Defense of Marriage Act. You might be familiar with that or might remember that, which said originally 
that marriage is to take place between a man and a woman. So the Supreme Court struck it down. But the thing that was really intriguing is probably not the right word, but the, uh, the thing that really sort of irritated me was one of the justices, Anthony Kennedy, said that if you don't, this is in the majority opinion, you can read it, in the, the opinion, he said if you have the view that marriage is only supposed to take place between a man and a woman, he said your belief system is rooted in hate. Now when I saw that, I said, you know, I, I beg to differ. Uh, my belief system is rooted not in popular opinion, but what God's Word says. And what does God's Word say? Well, it greatly differs than what the rest of society says. And so my goal here is, is not just to, t- it's not to talk about the Supreme Court decision, but just to let you know where we are concerning the lies that Satan has told us. And we are now kind of go- we're going down this slippery slope where we're beginning to buy into him to where now we say, you know, if we have this viewpoint, that that viewpoint is now it's something that is rooted in hate and rooted in anger. But my hope today is not that we're going to look and try to identify our lives of being a follower of Jesus with trying to follow after what popular opinion says, but to look and see and follow after what Scripture says. Uh, there was a, an interesting story about Tony Campalo a number of years ago. He's a minister, and he was flying in to uh, Philadelphia. As he was riding on the plane, there's a man next to him, recognized him, said, I know you're a Christian, he is, and I, you believe there's only one way to go to heaven, right? And he said, well, yeah. He said, well, you know, I, I don't believe that. And Kapala said, okay. He said, well, tell me what you believe. He said, well, I believe it's like being on this plane. There's a lot of different ways to get to Philadelphia. He said, you can get there by flying. You can get there by taking a bus. You can get there by taking a train. Just a lot of different ways to get to Philadelphia. And he said, as he was talking, he said, also, we hit this really turbulent air. And he said, you look outside. He goes, there's rain coming down. He goes, the guy starts white-knuckling it. Everybody's getting nervous. And after a while, they're coming into, into Philadelphia, and he said that, Campalo uh, looked at the man, and he said, you know what, I'm glad our pilot doesn't, doesn't have the same theology that you do. And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, right now our pilot's talking to the tower, and the tower's saying, this is the course you have to take in order to come into the airport, in order to come into the landing strip. He said, I'm glad that the pilot's not sitting there saying, well, you know, there's a lot of different ways that I can come into that landing strip. He said, I'm glad that he's paying attention to what the tower's saying. Guys, I really believe this. I believe if we're going to come into a safe landing in life, we better pay attention to what the tower is saying. Better pay attention to what our God has to say. And so today, one of the lies we're going to be looking at that Satan's been telling us forever is that it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what God you worship, we're all going to end up in the same place anyway. Now that sounds good. I mean, I like that, but it doesn't match very well with what Jesus said. And so today we're just simply going to take a look at what Jesus said. We're going to look in John chapter 14, verse number 6. So if you want to turn there, we're just going to look at one verse today. And the background of this verse is Jesus had just told his disciples he's getting ready to die. They've been following him for three years, day and night. I mean, they're excited. They're saying, Jesus is going to be the guy that's going to turn everything around in our world. The Roman Empire was in charge of Israel at this time. And so they're thinking, Jesus is going to set everything straight. So they're excited. And then Jesus, after three years, comes along and says, hey, guys, I'm getting ready to die. 
Now they are depressed. But Jesus let them know that because they've been following him for three years, he wanted them to know, this doesn't mean you've been wasting your time. And I want you to see there's some things I want you to know about me that can reassure you. And I think today there's some things that we need to look at in Scripture to know about Jesus so we can know the truth about him as opposed to what the world says. So what, what does Jesus have to say about himself? Well, the first thing Jesus lets us know that is tremendously important is he starts off by letting us know he is the only way to heaven. Now, the lie Satan tells us is that it doesn't matter what you believe, what God you serve, we're all going to be okay. And then I look at Jesus, and Jesus says, I am the only way. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, I would like for you to, yeah, I guess you could respond maybe by shaking your head up and down. You know, don't even respond. I mean, just think about it in your mind. Answer in your mind, yes or no. Does it seem kind of arrogant to you? That Jesus says there's only one way to go to heaven. Does it seem kind of, you know, kind of, you know, you know, kind of strange or kind of out there on a limb when Jesus says, if you're going to go to heaven, the only pathway comes through me. Now I'm gonna be honest with you, when I look at that and I just sort of think about it, that does, that seems pretty arrogant. And the reason why is because y'all realize, realize there are thousands of religions out there. And if there's only one way, that means that there's a lot of people that are wrong. I mean, it's like, saying, it's like Jesus saying, I am right and you are wrong. That sounds rather brazen. And yet whenever I look at Scripture, which as believers and followers of Jesus that we say is the Word of God, it backs up what Jesus says. I mean, Acts 4.12. So it says about Jesus, it says, There is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. Y'all see that? No other name. Uh, we're told in John 3, 35 and 36, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on Him. The very first commandment in the Ten Commandments, anybody know what it is, the very first commandment? You shall have no other, what? You shall have no other gods before me. I mean, all of this, when Jesus says, I am the way, this is backed up in Scripture. The very first identification Jesus makes of himself in this verse is Jesus says, I am the way. Uh, early Christians were known as followers of the way. Now notice that it says, the way. Jesus said, I am the way to God. I am the way to heaven. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, there's a bunch of different choices out there, and I'm one of them. He said, I am the way. Yet, as a matter of fact, you could actually take the word the, and you could put in there, in a different translation, the word only. And you'd be being true to the text. So what's Jesus saying here? Now, it's pretty clear. The point that Jesus is making is that if you desire to know God. If you desire to have a relationship with Him and experience heaven, Jesus said it only comes through me because I am the way. He's saying I am the map. Now there's a lot of people who say, well I think there's a lot of different ways to get there. 
There's a lot of different routes that you can take. And I don't care how well paved a different road is, if it's not taking you to the right destination, it's, it's not a road that you want to be on. And Jesus says, I'm the only road that you want to be on. Let me try to give you an example. You might remember back in July of uh, 1999, JFK Jr. was flying an airplane. Y'all remember this? He's flying into Martha's Vineyard Airport and his plane crashed. Everybody on board was killed. Now, the, things that, the thing that's interesting about that story is that when he was flying on that day, there was a tremendous amount of fog. Other pilots said it was so thick that you couldn't, you really couldn't make out the horizon. So you had to rely upon your instruments. Uh, now, the problem is JFK Jr. was not really, he was not that, he had, did not have that many hours flying only by instrument. And so he couldn't make out the horizon. So he tried to do it by feel. And so whenever he thought that he was actually ascending, he did not know his plane was in a death spiral. So he was, he was flying his plane confidently straight into the water, thinking that he was rising when in fact he was going straight down. Because the fog had totally blinded him. And he ended up dying along with his wife and her sister in that plane crash. Now I thought about that story and I thought, you know, there's some similarities there. And that there are going to be a lot of people in the world who are very comfortable with where they are in, in matters of faith and in what they believe in, thinking that they're going to be okay, only to stand before God and be totally shocked when they discover that what they were seeking after, that the God they were serving, was not the God of Scripture. You see, they were not on the way. Now, when Jesus is making the claim that he's the way to God, what he's doing is he's saying, listen, I want to get your attention and let you know, you're in a foggy world. And I want to point out to you that I am the way you want to go if you want to arrive where you want to get. Now, we'd all say that if JFK Jr. was flying on that plane, that the best thing we could do is to let him know, listen, you're in a death spiral. Not to do that would be, would be horrible. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's not being arrogant. Jesus is saying, listen, it's a foggy world, and you need to be able to see. I'm your only hope. So there's some things to know about Jesus. First, he lets us know he's the only way to heaven. The second thing I want you to see is he lets us know that, that he's true, or that he's the truth. Verse number 6 again, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus doesn't just say that he's the way. He also says that he is truth. Now, that drives people in a pluralistic society absolutely bonkers. And the reason why is because in a pluralistic society, which we live in, and we have people from all over the world, so many different viewpoints out there. I mean, you get on the Internet, you can pull up anything you want to in just a matter of seconds. You can share it with whoever you want to. So there's all these different viewpoints a pluralistic view holds this to be true, that all views are equal and valid. And then Jesus comes in and he says, I am truth. Now when he says I am truth, y'all understand truth is exclusive. When you say I am truth, that means that there are other ways that are not true. I mean there is truth and there are those things which are false. And so Jesus comes along, he throws everything on his head, and he makes the claim that he is the only way that is absolutely true. Again, verse number 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father except through me. Does that sound exclusive to y'all? Does it? Y'all with me? Yes, that's very exclusive. I mean, Jesus says, nobody comes to God except through me. Uh, it's like marriage. When you get married, you ain't dating anybody else, you know, but me. I mean, for Emily, right? I mean, that's it. That's exclusive. Truth is exclusive. Now, you can try to take a square, you know, a square peg and cram it into a, a round hole. Is that going to work? No, what works? A circle shape. I was very good in geometry. You know, a square does not fit. Now, is that exclusive? Does that seem rude and mean? No. It's just a fact. It's what works. Jesus is exclusive here. Now, we don't have a problem accepting absolute truth in, in the natural world. You know, they take math. We accept truth in math all the time. One plus one equals two, right? If you say one plus one equals three, that is incorrect. Would we all agree with that? One plus one is two. I know this because I'm a Richland two graduate, right? So that's a good thing. That is truth. That is something we know is fact. We know this in the laws of nature. If I stand on top of this building, or if you do, and you jump off the building, we know the law of gravity will take over, and you're going to be smashed into the ground. Now, that, is, that is truth. Now, you don't fly. We know this. So we don't have a problem with absolute truth in the natural world. But then you begin to get into matters of faith, and we start, we start having problems with it. And then Jesus comes along and says, I am the way and the truth. And if you're going to discover me, and if you're going to discover heaven, he said it only comes through me. So then why would people buy into a lie? Why, why would we reject truth? And I, I, here's one of the reasons why I believe. I believe it's because we want to be accepting of all different viewpoints so that we can hang on to our own and not feel guilty about it. If you accept everything, we say everything's true, that means ain't nobody wrong, right? Which means I'm good with whatever I want to do. I put myself in the position of being God, and I don't have to have guilt. It's amazing what we can do when we try to rationalize things away. You ever rationalized things away before? Say you, know, so you felt pretty good about yourself even though you knew what you were doing was probably not the best thing to do. But if you rationalize it away, you, kinda, you can relax. It's okay. Let me, let me give you a story or an illustration of it. Y'all, the first service did not get this. So this is a pre-warning. It's a little bit of a joke. And so whenever you don't feel like laughing, go ahead and laugh. Uh, there was a boy who was driving a wagon cart full of corn. You can already tell it's going to be a good joke. And so he's driving along, and it overturns on the road. And a farmer sees him struggling. He runs out there, tries to help the boy. He's cleaning up the mess. And the boy's going, my dad's going to kill me. My dad's going to be so angry at me. And they sat there and worked and worked. And it was taking a long time. And the farmer looked at the boy. And he saw how distraught he was. He said, Let, I tell you, he said, my wife's already cooked dinner. Let's go back to my house. She has a big apple pie in the oven. So we'll eat that. Then we'll come back and take care of this. And so the boy thought about that apple pie. And he said, yeah, I can do that. And so they go back to the house. They have a huge dinner. Eats the apple pie. Boy, is absolutely stuffed. He said, I got to get back. We got to get that wagon. Got to get it, uh, gotta get it turned back right. So my dad's going to kill me. And he said, the, you know, the farmer said, it was an accident. He said, Dad's not going to kill you. He said, by the way, where's your dad? He says, under the wagon. Now, all right, y'all did good. All right, now that is an example 
of rationalizing. I mean, he wanted to get something to eat, wanted that pie so bad that he's willing to rationalize the w- away the fact that his dad's underneath there dying. Now, guys, that's what a lot of us do. We will rationalize things away in order to get whatever we want. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I am the truth. And the last thing that he wants us to know about him, which totally combats the lie of Satan, is Jesus said, I am the only one who produces real life. So you follow me, you're going to find the way, you're going to find truth, and you're going to find real life. That's why it says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus, this is not a politically correct statement that Jesus makes right here. Once again, it sounds very arrogant. Jesus says, I'm, I'm exclusive. So I am the way to God. So why does God say this? It's because he wants us to discover life. Jesus knows that it's only through him that there's real life. Now, think about it like this. Jesus is the one who gave you life in the first place. He's your creator. He is the one who made life. I mean, we're told this in John 1, 3, and 4. It says, through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The very breath you breathe today, it comes from God. Jesus is a God of life, but he also created you so that you would know that your life has meaning and purpose. Jesus wants us to follow him and trust him because he has a life of meaning for us. He created you on purpose. It's not, the wor- it's not what the world teaches us. The world teaches us that life came about by happenstance. I mean, it's just like it's a big cosmic accident. And, and you can hang on to that and believe that, but as time goes by, you begin to think, I'm just, I'm just sort of here. Life's an accident. What, what does God say? What does Scripture say? Back in the book of Genesis, God says, I have created you in my image. I've created you to know me. I've created you in order to worship me. I've created you in order to know and have life. And of course, followers of, of God, of Jesus, also discover that there is hope beyond this life. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You want everlasting life? Then Jesus says you believe and trust in me. That's That's what it comes down to putting our hope and our faith in Jesus to discover life. And it's only through Him. Now, other faiths and religions, they offer counterfeit solutions. So many of the of other faiths tell us, listen, if you want to have eternal life, then you have to earn it. You have to do a whole lot of good things. You've got to impress God. And that sounds good because I like the idea that I have some sort of control, that I can earn something. But you know, if, if you live long enough, you begin to realize, I don't always do good things. And you know, we, we, we might do a couple of good things, but then we do some bad things, and then we get worn out trying to do good things, but we keep failing over and over again, and finally you get to a point where you get jaded and you get tired of trying. There are other philosophies that teach us that you, you live, and then you die, and life has no meaning. That's a real encouragement, isn't it? 
And so what happens is you don't find any hope. So why does Jesus want us to know about him? Because Jesus says, I give hope. I'll let you know that your life matters. Uh, one of my favorite stories, there's a, a story of a, a large school district that has substitute teachers that go into hospitals to work with kids that are in the hospital so they don't get behind in their schoolwork. So this one, one lady was called to go to the hospital to teach this boy about nouns and adverbs. And so she said, I'll do it. And so she, she goes up to the hospital. When she walks into the boy's room, she saw him and her breath was taken away. She did not realize, the boy was a, had been severely burned in a fire. And it, it's kind of overwhelmed her. And she's trying to teach the boy about nouns and adverbs. And she just kept stuttering and stammering. And, and she got choked up. And it was, it, for her, it was a miserable experience. After about 30 minutes, she ended up leaving. She had to go back the next day. So the next day, she goes back to the hospital. And she's getting ready to go into his room nurse comes up to her and says, let me ask you a question, what did you do to that boy yesterday? And the teacher tears up immediately and says, I'm so sorry, I had no idea the kind of shape he was in. She goes, I just couldn't get my words right, I, I hope I didn't mess up. And the nurse said, no, you don't understand. She said, after you visited him, she said, everything about him changed. She said, we, we've been afraid we're going to lose that boy. She said, but his vital signs are better now than they've ever been. She said, what did you do to that boy? And she really didn't know. A couple of weeks later, as they were talking to the boy, the boy gave a great answer. He started talking to him, and he said, you know, when, when that teacher came, he said, I started thinking, I don't guess I'm going to die. Why in the world would anybody come to teach me about nouns and adverbs <laughs> if I'm getting ready to die? See, what happened is that boy found hope because somebody came to teach him and it changed his life guys let me tell you something Jesus came to give us hope we're not just living here to live and then to die Jesus came and lived and went to a cross and rose from the grave because he wants you and me to know that our lives matter that our lives count. That He has you here for a reason and a purpose. And He wants you to know His joy. Satan's a liar. And he wants you to buy into the lie. It doesn't matter who you serve. There's many different ways to heaven because He wants you to be deceived so that you will not have life. But Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the only one who pr will produce real life in you. Now here's the question. Are you invested in that Jesus? Not the Jesus that you, that you want to be. Not the Jesus that popular opinion talks about. I'm talking about the Jesus of the Bible. Do you know him? Because he's the way. He's the truth. He's the one.